Unfortunately, codependent business relationships and coercive selling tactics are the norm in our culture. But I want to make consensual selling the new normal. So, in today's episode, codependency and relationship coach Alyssa Zander and I discuss how to phase manipulative tactics out of marketing and money, all while getting our needs met whilst running ethical businesses. Welcome to the Irresistible Marketing Pod, the podcast that teaches you how to tap into your emotional power to create magical, magnetic marketing, and how to use your irresistible marketing powers for good. I'm your host, Issa Gauchi, the Marketing Confidence Cheerleader and owner of the MISA Messaging Digital Marketing Agency. Hello, Alyssa. Welcome to the Irresistible Marketing Pod. I'm so excited to talk with you about taking the manipulation out of marketing and money today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. I am so honored to have you here. So Alyssa specializes in working in codependency shadow work and related to your work with codependency, manipulation is something you bring to light. Like it's, it's such an ingrained habit in a lot of our culture and um, communication norms that a lot of us don't realize that we're being manipulative when we're doing it. So I was hoping you could give our folks just a quick primer on how you think about and define manipulation. Yeah, thanks. I think if I knew that I would be talking about manipulation so much, I might have like ran so far away from what I do because it's so like uncomfortable. But that's, I think, been the gift of, of working with codependency, of doing shadow work, of that being my gift is like bringing a compassion and a grace to the fact that like we're human. So we're going to find ourselves in moments of manipulation. It's not about like judging or shaming ourselves for it. It's just like knowing we're going to make mistakes. And also knowing that we're going to have opportunities to make new choices. So for me, I've really tried to define manipulation as like a distorted tool that we use to try to control an outcome, right? And knowing that that's probably going to happen from time to time for me and what I can then do to hold space for myself when I find myself in that type of situation, like I did literally this week. So just knowing that it's, it's a journey. And, um, I think the more that we can kind of cushion around manipulation, grace and compassion for ourselves and others, the more able we're the more we're able to kind of move through it a little bit more quicker and with a little bit more ease. That's such a good definition. Um, So I know you work with people on their relationships a lot. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us how in interpersonal communication, how you often see inadvertent manipulation Mm -hmm. arise? Mm -hmm. It's like all around language for me. It's, it's, So for example, what I mean by language, I know that most of the time, if you start a sentence with if blah, 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 then blah, 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 like can be this covert manipulative way that we get people to respond, right? If you do this, then I will take this away is like a way in relationships that that can be used, right? If you don't tell me you love me at night, then I'm going to leave you. Like that's so drastic, right? And dramatic, but these, 
these things go in our head. So a lot of times like language around if and then can sometimes be a tool that I, that I use to try to notice where I might be covertly manipulating or, um, you know, might be on the receiving end of, of that as well. Um, and then another way is through eliciting strong emotional responses, right? So if I'm saying something in hopes that it will elicit a strong emotional response, that can be a way that we covertly manipulate as well. It's so interesting as you were talking about this, Justin, like I'm I'm seeing like both examples in like dating and then also like those marketing tactics that are like sign up unless you want to leave six figures on the table or like <laughs> this kind of thing. Um, I'm also curious about like receiving it then, because if the other person then does do what you want them to do in like a personal context or a business context, it seems like if the tactic to get them to do that is manipulative, they're probably not choosing to do that because like they want to, they're like, yes, I'm a hundred percent in that feels great in my body. I'm excited for this. It's like, I'm doing this because I'm scared of something else happening if I don't. Mm-hmm. How does that affect relationships when that's the reason people are doing what you want them to do? Right. Like that's such a great illumination because I think a lot of, a lot of times what we're acting from is fear, right? Fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of not fear of not being chosen. And ultimately through manipulation, what we've learned over time in marketing or in relationships is that it, it works. It gets somebody to stay, it gets somebody to buy, it gets someone to invest, right? And that's why we've continued to use it. But to your point, staying because of why, right? Also staying because of fear, also investing because of fear. And that's why you get a lot of people who buy a product, for example, or stay in a relationship. And then down the road, they're, they're disappointed. They're upset. They're resentful because it wasn't this like full, full body. Yes. From a place of spaciousness, it was done from a place of, um, afraid of missing out on what you're telling me I'm going to miss out on or fear of losing you or fear of not having you anymore. Yeah, it's, I, I, so I started marketing in the tech world where at like every marketing conference where you'd talk about messaging, they would be like, find the pain points, illuminate the pain points. Mm -hmm. And there was always something that felt icky about that to me. And when we're thinking about it in terms of manipulation, like that's exactly the trying to elicit a strong emotion. So if I'm trying to highlight what hurts or what you're afraid of, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I'm putting you in a place of scarcity and fear, et cetera. And then being like, you can buy this to stop feeling this way, even though I kind of manufactured that pain for you. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. Exactly. So Alyssa, in relationships and marketing, what's an alternative if, so we are going to want other people to do things, right? So how do we communicate what we want in a way that isn't manipulative towards the other person? Right. So for, I can speak from my own experience, right? What I try to lean into is first asking myself, what is my deepest intention? 
right? Is my deepest intention to point out a pain point, right? Because then we're participating in manipulating a collective group, right? And hopes to get a response. But if my deepest intention is to serve women and help them heal the mother wound, for my example, right? If my deepest intention is this offer is in service to the collective that, that I'm trying to serve, right? That's what I'm putting it out for. So I think for me, it's always pausing and getting in touch with what is my deepest intention here? And moving from that point, the second one is like, is it rooted in service, right? Is it rooted in service or is it rooted in, I want to make money. I want this to provide wealth for me. I don't think that those things are wrong or bad, but when we're doing things just because we want the financial outcome of something, I think we lose that piece of service and we can start kind of operating in a, in a place of ego. Like this is what I was saying earlier. This happened to me this week, you know, where I immediately was like, these offers kind of came through. I was like, I really want to offer this to my community. I went and made landing pages for them. And what did I do? I discounted them. Why? Why did I make them discounted? I didn't even think about it at the time, but when I really looked back and reflected on it, it was like, oh, because I thought if it was marked lower, people would buy because they would see that they're getting a deal. That's covertly manipulating a collective. That's not in service to my, that's not from coming from a place of service. That's coming from a place of trying to get someone to buy because they think they're getting a deal. And so I had to like stop, pause, bring those offers back to the table ask myself, what is my deepest intention here? What is the number that this wants to be priced at? What number does it really want to be priced at? And can I then offer it from a place of service as opposed to trying to get people to buy it because it's marked lower? That's such an interesting point. Um, I'm sure a lot of my folks are going to want to love to heal, hear this, especially like my healers, my wellness folks, because I think money really makes this muddy for people because I know all of my people like went into their line of work because they want to be of service, but then they also want to pay their bills and like food and rent. And so I think like a lot of people have a hard time being like, how can I offer something I know will help, but also charge money for it. So Mm -hmm. I have a strong feeling that you have a way to reframe this internal narrative so that you don't have to be manipulative, but you are getting the exchange you need to be able to provide the service to your highest ability. Mm -hmm. Tell me your thoughts. Yeah. So for me, when I went into my business full-time the first time, <laughs> there was a couple trials here, you know, I was just like, it's all going to work out. You know, it's, I'm, I'm going to be of service. It's all going to work out, but I didn't have any like financial plan of like how that was all going to work out. I just totally leaned into trust. Um, feminine was taking over, which is not very typical in my life. Actually, my masculine is typically very strong, but for whatever reason, I was like, it's all going to work out. Um, and I kept putting out offers and guess what? Like no bites, no bites, no bites. And I like needed these offers to work, right? Like I needed somebody to buy them because I needed to pay my rent. Like I needed to pay my phone bill. Like I needed to pay for the electricity. And I realized I, every time I offered something, I was just like grasping, hoping that someone was going to buy it because I wanted to be able to pay my bills that month. I wanted to be able to put food on my table. And so 
I realized in that moment that I had created codependency in my business to perform for me. I needed it to make money in order for my safety to be in order to feel safe and secure in my life and have my basic needs met. And I realized in that moment, like, this is not how I want to interact in my business. I do not want, I do not want to be in a relationship with my business where I need it to perform for me so that I feel safe. Right. I don't need my business to hold the weight of that. And I, we do this with relationships too. You can insert business with partner. Right. Um, and so what I did was I went back to the drawing board. What are my needs? What are my basic needs? How much do I need to make every month to, in order to pay my bills? And I went back into working and having somebody pay me because I have needs. I had basic needs that my business wasn't able to meet at that point and that I was putting a lot of pressure on it to meet. And so I went ahead and saved money through this job so that I could step into my business full-time and have, I had six months. That was, that was the goal. Save up six months worth of expenses so that when I go into my business full-time, if I make no money, zero dollars, it's okay. And I could do that six times. I could do that for six months. And at that point in my business, I, I was making money every month. I just wasn't making enough money every month, you know? So, um, so all of that to say, I'm telling this story because if we have basic needs that are not being met and we're needing our business to provide that financial stability and security, it, it would be advantageous to explore where you can get those needs met in other ways so that the pressure to perform and manipulate in your business is lessened right? Because that's when we start marking things down. That's when we start doing specials. That's when we start just kind of going, you know, throwing spaghetti noodles at the wall, trying to get people to buy because we have a neat, we're in fear. We're in a state of flight or fight, fawn freeze, where we just like need it to do something for us. Um, and, and that's typically where manipulation like thrives off of fear and lack of control. Yeah. Like I, I think that the survival voice is probably going to be louder than your service voice. And that does not make you a bad person. That just means you're a human that wants to live. Um, I was hoping I'd love to talk more about this codependency versus interdependency with your business, but do you mind, um, giving us a quick rundown on how you think about, uh, and define codependency? Yeah. So the, thank you for asking. Yeah. So the way I define codependency is when I based my, base my worth on something outside of me. So when something outside of me is, is I'm dependent on something outside of me to provide something for me. Gotcha. So codependency with business then would be my business needs to do X, Y, Z, or I won't feel safe. My business needs to do X, Y, Z, or I can't live life. <laughs> um, my business needs to do X, Y, Z, or I won't feel okay. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm thinking like, if you swapped that for a romantic partner, that would be like, Oh, that's a lot of pressure on that other person. That doesn't sound like fun for that other person. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What, and how, oh, go um, ahead. 
Um, so what's the alternative to being codependent with your business? Would it be interdependent with your business or? So the way that I see my business is it's my relationship to the deepest, darkest parts of myself. Ooh. I know. Let that, let that sink in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Say more about that, please. Yeah. yeah. So, so our business is just a mirror. It's our shadow work journey time and time again. It will always, always show you what is ready to be transmuted. It will always, always show you what is ready to be healed. So when I provided that, you know, financial security and stability for me to go into my business the second time, part two, <laughs> Um, I had those basic needs met. So now I got to just learn how to be in a relationship with my business in a way that was allowing it to speak to me. I, so I started asking it, like, what do you look like? What do you, what do you like? What do you not like? How do you want to be of service? And I think it's important to keep in mind that this is ever changing, right? Like I'm right now in the middle of like what I've known my business to be and it's wanting to change. And so instead of me being like, well, no, what we've done is it this way. Like we've done it this way. We've gotten really good at this. Why do you want to change? It's like, okay, show me what you want to look like. What is it? Why, why is it changing shape? Why is it starting to look different? Because they our businesses. I feel are really its own entity. It's a, it's like a living, breathing thing outside of us it's for all my woo-woo babes out there. Like if we really allow ourselves to open up and be a channel for what wants to come through us, we get to have this level of detachment. So when I offer something and no one shows up, I don't make it mean anything about me. I'm just like, oh, this offer came in. Perfect. You channel it, you, you write it all down, you figure out a price, you put it out there. If no one bites, it just means the community that you have right now doesn't need that right now. And, and for me, it was so, so liberating to just be like putting this offer out there. Cause it was on my heart and I felt called to, to share this. And if no one wants it, cool. That means no one needs it right now, which is great. That's, that, that's so beautiful. I want to talk more about channeling in a minute. One thing that occurred to me is like, I've got a few friends right now in my personal life that are just going through crises, like really dark times. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I've noticed, like if I'm on the phone, like we're talking about their situation and then there isn't often much room for me to be like, here's what I'm going through, which is fine. And that's a thing I can like set boundaries with, et cetera. But I'm thinking in terms of being codependent with your business, if you're like, I need to pay my rent and I need to pay bills. And that's the loudest um, thought in your head when you're interacting with your business, there isn't like space for a conversation for your business to be like, I'd like to shift and go this way. Like, mm -hmm. how are you going to hear that when you're just being like, I need my basic needs met business, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It goes back to like, how are you going to provide that for yourself? Right. And if, and if you are in a place in your business where it's like, especially in those first couple of years of starting a business, it's, it is really inconsistent. It's up and it's down and it's all over the place and it's unpredictable. Um, welcome to the life of being an entrepreneur. You know what I mean? It's like, we sign up for it, but at another, you know, 
through another lens, we also like, we continue to keep saying to here is like have basic needs. And so it's in, it's, it's vital. Honestly, it's like an absolute necessity to like figure out how you're going to cultivate those basic needs for yourself. Um, and I think that when we can do it outside of our business, we can actually begin to like what you're saying here, what it wants to be because our basic needs are met. I see this with my clients across the board, every client that works with me. And coincidentally, they're usually entrepreneurs. Like I think of all my clients, like 90% of them are entrepreneurs. And a lot of them in that first month of us working together, they get into a job. They get into some sort of part-time job that will provide them with reoccurring income. And then I, it is so amazing to see what happens because as soon as that happens, their blocks, quote unquote, their limitations all of a sudden out the door. And now they're posting every day when before they're like, I don't know what to post about. I don't know. I'm stuck. The languaging, I don't know. I don't feel called to interact. It's because you can't because your basic needs are not met. You can't because you're in a state of survival. Once those basic needs are met, I'm going to make X amount of dollars every month by working this part-time job. All of a sudden that that survival voice is just dimmed, you know, turns down the volume. And now all of a sudden this creative energy goes through the roof. Oh, that's so valuable. Thank you for sharing that. If I could pivot a little bit. So A, I think we've like made the point pretty clearly, like if your own survival needs are not being met, you're really going to struggle with communicating in a non-manipulative way because your survival instincts are going to kick in. Um, but say your survival needs are met, um, and you are marketing your offer and you want to be of service and you know, it's going to help your people. What would you hope people could be more aware of in the way they make offers to the world so that we can make manipulation and marketing manipulation and money less normal in business? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, such a great question because, well, even, even what I was briefly sharing about how I did that this week, you know, my basic needs are met, right? I'm safe. I'm good. Like I'm, I, my business is doing great. And I still went into ma a manipulative tactic of like marking down a couple items or services or offers, whatever you want to call them. Um, and so it's, it's knowing that manipulation comes through when we are experiencing fear and we're experiencing a lack of control. We're experiencing a fear of rejection, a fear of abandonment, a fear, a fear of not being good enough. And so I think like how we can begin to check ourselves when we're making offers is before you share it with the world, ask yourself, am I creating this from a place of fear? Am I creating this from a place of um, control in my life? Do I feel like I have a lack of control? And this is maybe coming through for me right now in that, in that way, just so that we can, like I said, our, our business is our relationship with the deepest, darkest parts of ourselves. So when those offers come through and you're creating the copy for your offer or the landing page, it's just, it would be, it's beneficial to just pause like that sacred pause and reflect who is this really for? Is this from, is this coming from a place of service or is this coming from a place of lack for myself? 
And like I was saying, even though I am secure and safe in my business, I was feeling a a sense of lack just because I'm a freaking human, right? I'm a human. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to have, have triggers and activations. And I didn't realize that when I made it, I made it quickly. I put it out there. And then the next day I was like, wait, (laughs) what was this really for? Who was this really for? Was this for me to try to gain some sense of control? And it was. That's such a good point. I I think I want to highlight like this sacred pause is Mm -hmm. to do marketing in a way that feels ethical. You need this sacred pause, which means like you need things like rest and self-care. Like these aren't like cute, nice to haves. These are like how you do a marketing effectively and ethically and our like hustle culture and toxic productivity and capitalism, et cetera has not told you like the way to make money in your business is to pause Mm -hmm. the rest, Mm -hmm. (laughs) get your needs met. And so if you're like, oh, I I don't do that. I've been manipulative in my marketing. I just want to put like a quick, like audio hug out there for you. Like, of course you don't know how to do this. No, this message hasn't been reinforced for you at all. Yeah. To have that grace and compassion for yourself. Like we're gonna, we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna fuck up and we're gonna learn from them. Right. Like I could have sat there and bashed myself when I realized it and been like, Oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person. But instead I got on my IG store and I was like, Hey, listen, (laughs) I totally covertly like manipulated those offers I shared yesterday. And I sat with them. I changed them. I channeled them. And now they are in their essence as service. And if people want them great. And if not, then, then also great. Like reminding myself that I get to come back to that. I get to take accountability and responsibility, which is a big part of my work. Where can we take responsibility? And that's like, that's what these questions really allow us to step into when we're creating these offers is taking personal responsibility by asking the hard questions. What is my deepest intention with this offer? Who does it serve? Is it rooted in service? Is there an attachment to to an outcome? If no one buys it, are you going to be okay? I'm also curious about your thoughts around the discount in particular. I've noticed like when, when I have clients or colleagues that are feeling or are, are having a, an insecures moment, um, they're just having like a self-worth or value of their work anxiety attack. Their first impulse is to ask for less than what they need. Um, so for money in particular, like this has been a journey for me, but I'm starting to be like to offer the level of service I am capable of and my people deserve. I do need to ask for a specific, um, level of monetary energetic exchange, or it's like the whole, the whole castle crumbles, you know, if I'm asking for less than what I need, I can't give them what they deserve. And so it's almost like a self self manipulation in terms of like the first move being for like I'll just ask for less than what I need. And I'm curious what you think about this because I'm assuming that often like if people bite at that I asked for less than what I needed to give it, now I'm resentful and tired. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the dynamic that creates when you um manipulate yourself by discounting or pricing too low, etc. 
Yeah. Well, I think you named it perfectly. What happens is resentment, right? And when we're in a state of resentment, how are we showing up for the person? And so like you were saying in your community, there's a lot of healers. There's a lot of, you know, people who stepped into their business because of a place, because it's coming from a place of service. And so then you have to encourage, well, what what does service look and feel like for you? And is resentment supporting you being in service? And is it supporting the person that you're serving? And I mean, I think we can all agree that like, if you're resentful towards someone that's not helping anyone, them or you, and that's a common thing, um, theme that I notice with my clients and people who I work with is that they overgive, they self-sacrifice, because in the name of, in the name of love and the name of kindness, right? A lot of times it's kind. Well, I want to be kind. Well, if it leads to resentment and then you're coming into that interaction, that relationship, that partnership, that, that, you know, work contract with resentment, is that actually kind? That's such a good point. Yeah. I'm curious. So I took um, a a workshop with you that you offered on money energetics. And um, something that came up in that workshop is we were talking about like a common marketing funnel tactic that's taught in a lot of places where um, you kind of capture a bunch of new folks to you and your business's interest by offering something cool for free. And then at the end, like making your pitch for your sell. And I, this is such a common tactic. I, I thought nothing of it. And then you kind of blew my mind by being like, well, that's actually also kind of a form of manipulation. Could you talk us through your thought process on that and what an alternative might look like? For sure. So I'll say, I think it can be a form of manipulation. Like if we're, if we're going with the themes of what we're talking about today, it's, it's, um, it's our intention behind it, right? It's going back to our intention. So I definitely have a, like a free offering, right? I have a free guidebook that I compiled. And the reason why I offer that free guidebook is because some people can't, can't pay me. Some people can't work with me, but I still want to serve them. I still want to be um, in service and support of them. I think if we're using like another example would be um, uh, people do master classes, right? They do a master class and then at the end they sell something. I think a way that we can kind of get past the manipulative part potentially of that is by being clear, right? Hey, I'm going to give this masterclass at the end. I'm going to talk about an offering that I have so that people know what they're in for. People know what they've signed up for and giving them the opportunity to like dip at the end of the masterclass, right? Like I love when um, creators do that. Like it's being clear as kind is what Brene Brown says. And I just love that quote because I think when we're, we're clear of like, Hey, I'm giving this free offer to everyone. Um, and also I have a paid offer that I really want to share. That's going to like, you know, riff off of what I'm teaching in this masterclass. That's being clear. That's being open, honest, and transparent instead of like joining a masterclass. And then all of a sudden there's a pitch out of nowhere. And then you're like, Oh, now I feel like I have to, now I feel like I have to pay you because 
it's all kind of interwoven in all of this. And it feels like it has an attachment, right? I'm not saying that it always feels that way, but I think for me, it's being really clear of like, what am I doing completely from service? What am I doing as a way for people to access, you know, the paid offering that I'm doing? Cause I did that for my membership too. I did a paid three-day masterclass or not paid, sorry, a free three-day masterclass. So people could experience what it would be like in the membership, right? In hopes that people would see this either resonates or it doesn't resonate with me because it has some, you know, logic masterclass stuff, but it's also very energetic and we do energy healings. And some people are like, that's not for me, you know, which is totally fine. But it was an, but I was very, very clear that this masterclass is so that you can see if the membership is aligned for you or not. And if you already know it's not aligned for you and you still want to come, cool. But just know that like, that's kind of what this is about. I love that for a few reasons. So one, it sounds like you didn't have to like overhaul your whole launch strategy. All you had to do is like say an extra two sentences. Um, So if people are worrying like, oh, I've never like thought about manipulation and marketing. I don't know how to take it out. Do I have to redo everything? Like it can literally be as simple as adding a two sentence explanation. Um, and the other reason I love it is that part of, it sounds like the philosophy behind taking manipulation out of marketing is to give people the opportunity to fully consent. So yes. to understand what they're op- opting into. Um, and so I imagine too, it's like not just taking the emotional attachment or like weird narratives through our own filters about whether someone does or doesn't buy or does or doesn't follow or like our stuff. It's also like taking it out of our making the offer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this isn't about me. Here, here's the offer. Opt in or opt opt out, but this is what it is. <laughs> like it's it's kind of like taking that filter off of both ends of the communication, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. And like, even just hearing you say it, like, and being on the receiving end of that, I feel there's it, what it does energetically is it creates spaciousness and people feel spaciousness. That energy is felt on the other side of the screen. And so you would be surprised when people are like, well, if you don't care if people sign up or not, then like, how are you going to stay in business? And I'm like, listen, it's, Every day, every month, I mean, that I've, you know, stepped into my business full-time part two, the second time I've made money every month. I've made more than what I need to pay my bills every month. So it's, it is working, um, but I don't need it to work. That spaciousness, I think, um, you know, magically just magnetizes people to us because there isn't that pressure. It's so interesting. Like there's so many parallels to dating. (laughs) There's so many parallels to dating. Like I'm thinking of like, you know, that saying like, you'll find your person when you're not looking. (laughs) Um, And it's, it sounds like a lot of, like another way to think about manipulation is pressure. And Mm -hmm. like, do you want your people opting in because they're scared of what will happen if they don't, or they feel like they owe you or because they're in love with you or they're in love with your offer or they're like, this will make my life better. Mm-hmm. Cause I totally want option two. Um, 
in life and in business for sure. I'm curious about another thing, um, your thoughts on in terms of marketing. So you and I are both on Instagram and you're killing it over there, by the way. Um, I'm curious what you think about like the stereotype about Instagram is like, we have all those like actual, like the Instagram version of life because people present such a, like a polished filtered image of not only like physically how they present, but also like how their business presents or in wellness spaces. Um, there's this often this sort of idea that like people that are offering healing or wellness, the image they want to project is I don't struggle with this anymore. Like I've totally overcome it. Um, talk to me about how you see that as relating to manipulation and marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, have you seen my Instagram? Cause I literally don't do, I'm like, my, my work is like, let me tell you how everything is not working out for me. <laughs> um, well, I think it's important to like, so with that question, actually, what I'm being called to lead us into is not to even think about how other people are maybe manipulating, being manipulative, but like how us on the receiving end, it's checking ourselves and how we're consuming content, right? Like, are we allowing ourselves to be manipulated by a version of somebody and thinking that like, oh, everything has to be perfect all the time. I think the more that the more that we're all collectively becoming more consciously aware, we see those people who paint the perfect picture and we can see right through it. At least in my experience, it's like there's a level of embodiment that you just can't make up. If that makes sense. So I think like if you're a creator out there, you're a creator, you're on Instagram, you're on social media, and you want to make sure that you're not you know, coming through manipulative, it's, it's being open and honest, right? It's being transparent. It's, it's knowing that you're not fooling anyone on the other side of the screen by presenting to only be, you know, the light and love and, and shiny object, right? Like when I see someone who is, and think about the creators that you follow, right? Like everyone listening to this podcast, like think about the creators that you follow and the ones that you love, the ones that you watch their story every single day, do they show only the perfect parts of themselves or are they showing the messy parts too? Because you'll start to notice, I love, I love the ones that, that share all the mess ups that, that are fully transparent and authentic in the way that like, they're very clear that it's not all perfect on the other side. It's relatable. And so I think the more that we can allow ourselves to lean into um, being fully transparent, rem- that, that courage and that vulnerability is inviting more creators to do that. Ugh, I love that so much. And yes, Alyssa's Instagram is awesome. It, it will be linked in the show notes. So do follow her for sure. Um, I, kind of related to that. Another trend I wanted to ask you your thoughts about is, um, the, I think people are, are catching on that marketing actually has to give you something. You can't just be like, give me your money. Bye. Um, like you actually have to offer something of value, um, in your marketing for it to be effective. So I see this a lot with like marketing branding related professions, but also like everyone in the coaching industry where they're like, okay, the way I 
give value is to give advice, right? Tell people how I think they should do things. And um, I'm wondering, and, and like, A, I do, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that, but there's sort of a balance I, I've been toying with. So at the start of the pandemic, I was training to offer or to answer a domestic and sexual violence crisis hotline um, for the program got shot, shut down because of the pandemic. But my, one of my favorite things in that training um, that I'll take with me for the rest of my life is they said, we never, ever tell a survivor what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because in abusive relationships, abusers will try to make their victims forget that they have agency and the ability to choose and that they can trust their own judgment and they know what's best for themselves. So one of the most empowering things you can do for someone else is ask them how they want to be supported. If they want to have information, you can lay out their your their options. If they ask you for an opinion, you can say, this is my opinion, but you are the expert on you. And I thought that was so beautiful. And as a marketer in particular, I'm like, how can I weave that into when I'm telling people to sell their stuff and balance it with this, like providing value. And so I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that and how you can share your expertise without being like, I know more than you about you. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so powerful. I actually had um, somebody who was on a clarity call with me. Um, Clarity calls are like what I do before people decide if they want to work with me one-on-one. And, you know, I was telling her, you know, by the end of our time together, I I want you to just be so confident and clear and knowing how to show up for you and order and to have an autonomy, to have confidence, to feel empowered and know and what you're exactly what you're saying. You said is like, knowing that you know what is best for you first and foremost no one no one can tell you what you need better than you can and no one can meet your needs for you better than you can as well and um and she was like well if you do that then like how are you going to make money and i was like and it's like the point is not to make money the point is for me to support women in coming into their sovereignty which is not needing me. Like my work is not to create more codependency where you think that I have all the answers for you. My, my work, my service is to remind you that all of the answers live within you. So I I know that I kind of like, you know, went on a tangent a little bit there, but, um, when it comes to offering value, I love to use the, the language, like an invitation, right? Here's an invitation for you to explore. Questions are so valuable. Giving people questions to begin to ask themselves. So in Codependency Alchemy, the membership, we do group coaching and it's not me telling you what to do. It's not, here's the problem. Okay, well here, do X, Y, and Z, right? It's getting into why that problem is even existing by asking you questions like, Like, how old is this version of you? You know, like I start asking them questions. So I think if we can begin to provide value and not a a one size fits all. And I think this gets tricky in business, right? Because everyone has the strategies, right? They're like, this strategy got me to a hundred thousand dollars. I'm a millionaire now. Um, And we think, oh, their strategy makes them a millionaire. So I'll just 
you know, superimpose it over my business and I'll become a millionaire. And then when it doesn't work, we're, we're just, we feel disempowered. We have someone to blame and, and we point the finger at somebody else. So it's like knowing that, and I'm not saying people who do the strategy things are bad, right? They're sharing what they know. And I think everything is an access point. So it's, it's a gift too. So just want to make sure I'm clear on like the strategy people out there. I love you. Um, but it's important for the person receiving that strategy to take it as an access point. I love like my mentor, Naomi Love, like shared that with me. And I just love that language of like, this is just me seeing, does it, do I like this? How does this feel for me in my business? Does this make sense for me in my business? Um, and if you like it, making it your own. And if you don't like it, throwing it away. Um I feel like, have I answered the question? I like totally went off on like a wild rant. I'm thinking like applying it. So if you're like a consultant or if you're someone who gets hired because you know about an area and other people are like, my choice for myself is I don't want to go do all that research. I want to find someone that can give me their expert opinion on what to do. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking a way, like if you're a consultant um, that you could do, communicate that in a non-manipulative way is you can be like, here's my approach. Here's like my background. Here's my thinking. Um, but still ultimately like you are the boss of your business. So I'm giving you what I think is the best fit strategy or option for your business, but I am not going to be attached to it. If you tell me things need adjusted or it's not going to work for you because I still trust you to make decisions for you. And so I think where like a lot of people like in, in consulting fields or like they're being hired as an expert in their field, like get hung up is they're like, well, I'm the expert. I told you what to do. Why aren't you following the advice? And so I think that's a clue to you if you're a consultant and you've had that experience that maybe you should do um, some self-reflection and healing and being like, does it really threaten my expertise if like one person, it didn't work for them? Or like, how could I change my communication so I can see, so why didn't this work with you? How can we adjust it? Um, Because, oh yeah, like you have so much, I think anybody who's an expert has so much power and they don't always realize it. Like my most popular service right now is a custom marketing plan for small businesses. And like, so part of the reason they definitely hire me because they're like, I don't want to go do all this research on marketing and social media and data and strategy. You just tell me what to do. So I'll, I'll do this whole marketing plan. And like one of everyone's main questions is how often should I be posting on stuff? And so I'll like be like, Here, here's how much time you have available. Here are best practices. And I'll give them a recommendation um, based on that. And I think I'd like, when I was initially doing that, I'd been like, you know, like, let me know if this actually works for the time and personnel you have available. And if not, we'll adjust it. And I'd kind of like not highlighted that. And then I found out like somebody had been like staying up till like working like 10 hours a day to try to fit everything. And I was like, oh no. So now in all my marketing plans, I'm like, don't do this. If it makes you stay up late, come back to me. We'll talk about it and adjust it down. Like, um, But like, that was a big lesson for me. Like, I didn't realize I had that so much power over other people's behavior just because I'm an expert and I'm like, here's what I think you should do. So anyway, I went off on a tangent on that. Let me allow you to comment on that. (laughs) 
No, I love, I mean, cause these really examples are the, like, they're so important because it allows us to be like, okay, yes, I see like where I, we can correlate, right? We can start seeing ourselves in, in our shares. So I'm glad that you went on the tangent um, because it's not a tangent at all. But when I hear that, the first thing that pops in my head is like, it goes back to what I was kind of saying, actually, of we get to ask more questions, right? So before we start sharing what what can be implemented, it's like learning learning more about like the time that they do have available. It's learning what their, what their desires are. What are their desires? How do they desire to feel at the end of the marketing plan? How do they desire to be seen at the end of the, like whatever, whatever those, um, those like parameters are so that then we can give some suggestions. Right. I had a client who was like, just tell me what to do. And I was like, that's so funny because I did like, like we quite literally like came up with posts, came up with times to post, how many times to post. We did all of that. And she was still like, I just want you to tell me what to do. And it's like, well, once we get to that point, we need to be able to look and ask questions of like, what's really going on under here? Like, can we, can we get under the layers of like, why this marketing plan isn't working? Why this strategy isn't working? Why the things that you know, the black and white blueprint isn't working because, because there's a reason why under that. And that's the shadow work, right? Like, why aren't you posting? Why are, why is the strategy not working? What are the blocks and the fears that are coming up under that? That is such a good point. Like, I think the value of something like a marketing plan where like, I'm like, yes, here are some guidelines for what to do so you can get started helps a lot of people that feel just like overwhelmed by massive information. And so they're like, oh, great, a ruler for how to get started. But I think like the main takeaway here is like, okay, if you need someone to give you a structure to get started, great. If it got you started, it did its job, but that isn't the end of the story. That means it's like, it needs to be a living, breathing system that you interact and hone. So it actually works for you, especially because as a neurospicy person, I know that our brains are so differently, like the way um, our creativity flows, the way we work, the way we focus is really unique to the individual and that um, I can't tell you the best system for your brain because I have my brain. So <laughs> I can give you some parameters to get started and then I can help you adjust it based on what was and wasn't working for you. But, oh, that's so good. Oh, I'm going to make my marketing so much more clear on this. Like, I'll give you the like, um, bumpers. like the bumpers for the bowling alley lane. So you can like, at least get down the aisle and then be like, oh, okay, actually I need this and this and this and this. So structures are not supposed to like stay that way forever. We're supposed to adjust them. <laughs> yeah. The way that I see, like even my coaching mentorships, and maybe you can relate to this or resonate with it. It's like, we're giving them the the foundation and like the the walls of the house right but then they got to decorate they're like they need to decorate it right they're putting up they're decorating the rooms they're figuring out what goes in there they're adding their own flair like what makes the house a home everything inside of it and so they're responsible for figuring out what type of furniture that they want to put in we're just giving them the space to put it in. Like we're just giving them the parameters because yeah, when I think of, when I thought about marketing, I'm like, I have no heck and Bob idea what to do. Like, like what, it, what is life even? So like having a couple of 
of courses and classes where I learned about copywriting and where I learned about how many times to post. It was great information for me to take in to, to begin experimenting with like whatever course or program that you buy or that you join, let it be something that you experiment with so that you can learn what you like and what you don't like, but don't make it be like an end all be all, which is, I think what you're talking about. And it's so, so important because eventually if we take somebody else's plan and superimpose it on our business and do that forever, eventually we're going to get burnt out because we're running somebody else's plan. We're not running what's best for us. Yeah. And I think about bringing it back to the conversation about manipulation. If you are an expert that's offering like the foundation of a house, like it is um, on you for ethical marketing to be like, I'm giving you foundations that you are meant to build on. So I'm not giving you a full house. I'm not giving you your dream mansion. I'm giving you like a blueprint and then you build your house. (laughs) If I try to build you your dream house, you're going to be disappointed. Um, And so like being able to communicate that effectively and being like, this is what you can expect to get from it and not having it be like, because I can't possibly give you your dream house, I'm not actually an expert is like some internal work for you to do. And then to make sure you're communicating, like, I'm not just giving you every answer and telling you what to do forever. Like that's not going to work for you. And then like on a buyer's end, um, or if you're someone like looking for consulting or coaching or some sort of services like that, um, you not taking the codependent position of it is possible for someone else to give me my dream business, or it is possible for someone else to give me my dream relationship or dream life. And it's kind of like, oh, it's so interesting because yeah, I'm just like thinking out loud, but I can see why it's so effective and why so many of us are taught to just like give people answers, just throw out answers willy nilly, because that's an effective selling tactic, although it's manipulative to be like, don't worry, I'll just take all that shadow work away from you. You won't have to do it because I have all your answers. Like, yeah, I can see why that's appealing to buyers to be like, great. I didn't want to look in those dark closets in my brain (laughs) but then like everybody's disappointed and feels bad so (laughs) let me allow you to comment on that yeah and I mean and the thing is is like okay our business again is our our relationship with the deepest darkest parts of ourselves so like honey you do not get to bypass shadow work in your business period you may think that you are but at the end of the day you just it's it's just not gonna happen it's gonna hit you in the face time and time again, if it's not today, it might be a year from now, it might be five years from now, but it eventually will catch up to you. And it's not to paint shadow work as this like dark, scary monster that like needs to be feared. It's like allowing yourself to just go into the dark room and sit with it because it actually has wisdom. It's telling you how it, your business desires to be so that you can live more in your joy so that you're not giving your power away to someone who has all the answers because when you give your power away to someone who has all the answers and it doesn't work out like now we're going into like martyrdom like where do you then have someone to blame and be like oh well i did everything that they said and i paid them and it didn't work and so now you get to point the finger and not take any personal responsibility now we're getting into a whole other conversation that i basically do with clients um but this is codependency babes it's it's like where do we give our power away so we don't have to take responsibility and like that's the weird nuance right is because codependence 
typically take on all the responsibility for all the bad things or all the things that are wrong. They think anything wrong that's happened, it's because of me. Um, but then we see all the places where we give our power away and it's so that we, it's like codependency, covert narcissism, two sides of the same coin. Oh, this talk has been so amazing. I know we're running up on time. Is there anything, any marketing tactics that you'd like to show, shed some light on that we haven't covered yet in terms of bringing awareness to where we might be inadvertently manipulating? Um, I think, I think some marketing tactics that you just want to consider, um, and play with is just doing your inner work. It like comes back to making sure that when you are offering a service, um, or a product to a collective of people and you, and you really are doing it from this like soul mission service, like world like mission place to make sure that you also remember that your work isn't done even if you are an expert right like I may be considered an expert expert when it comes to codependency and healing relationships and healing the mother wound but at the end of the day I'm still healing this shit like I'm not perfect I'm still going through it so it's always remembering that there's work to be done and when we when we stop doing that work we actually lose sight of, of our mission. We actually lose sight of our service because we're so fixated on, um, on selling maybe, or the money maybe, or whatever it is. Ego kind of like takes a joyride and just will like shoot us off to the moon. And so I think it's just important to remember that, that our healing journey and shadow work gets to be a part of our marketing tactics. It gets to be the first thing that we do before we share our offers with the world. Experts keep learning. Yes. Yes. You don't come to a place where you know everything and now you're an expert and it's done. Experts are always keep learning. Excellent point. Well, Alyssa, now that everyone wants to work with you immediately, how can they do that? Oh, um, so yeah, I, I have a membership it's called codependency alchemy. It's a group of women who are looking to receive support every month. We go over a codependency pattern, a tendency, the group votes on it. So, you know, the last few months it's been perfectionism, people pleasing, overgiving. Um, and we do a masterclass where I workshop with you where this shows up in your life so that you can walk away with tangible steps of how to tend to that part of you so that we can be begin to transmute it. It's alchemy. We're doing a lot of alchemy work. Um, the, and then, yeah, we have energy healings and group coaching calls. I love the hot seat coaching. I actually just came out of a hot seat coaching call. It's where we get to like the real nitty gritty, like, tell me exactly what happened. What did your partner say? Um, that set you off that we can then workshop together. Um, it's a, it's just a great community of women. It's like so beautiful. So I have the membership and then I currently have six one-on-one -on -one coaching spots, um, to work with me privately in an intimate setting. Um, so yeah, I have a three month program called radical shift and a six month program called quantum leap.
and a book coming out and a book yes oh my gosh I'm so glad you said it um yes I actually like finished sending over final edits to the editor um today so yeah it's it's work in progress should be out but I do have um a goal of getting 111 early readers that means you get the book for free pdf style um as a way to just hopefully get some some great reviews are not great. Like I want you to be honest um, when the book comes out. So if you'd like to be an early reader and get access to that, um, yeah, I have a link in my bio. IG is the best way to like DM me, follow me, all the things and TikTok. Excellent. Well, um, listeners, all of Alyssa's links and socials will be linked in the show notes. So make sure to check them out and, um, Pop on there. Alyssa, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. It was very helpful for me and I'm sure everybody listening, I appreciate you. Thank you, Isa. It was such an honor to be here and chat about this. I love having these conversations. So thanks for just having, you know, the difficult conversation with me, because I think this is something we'd like to avoid. Um, but the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it. So thanks for letting me come and share. If you want more tips and tricks for making messy but magnetic, irresistible marketing magic, get your tickets to the Marketing Witchery Workshop coming to a Zoom near you on Monday, January 23rd. That's this Monday, folks. You're not going to want to miss this one. In it, I'm teaching my favorite witchy tools for composting anxiety into fabulously confident marketing. Tickets are available on a sliding scale from $49 to $99. A link is in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to keep them coming, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help others find this fabulously free resource. All right. Love y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.